0: The nonprofit MBA purpose is to provide new business insights and fresh creative ideas for executive directors and their teams that will help them improve their organization. Here is your host, Stephen Halasnik. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Halasnik and I'm co founder and managing partner of Financing Solutions. Financing Solutions is the leading provider of lines of credit to small nonprofits. Our line of credit program is easy, inexpensive, and costs nothing until used, making it a great cash backup plan for your nonprofit. If you'd like to learn more about the program, please visit us at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. And if you decide to apply today, we will even give you a $250 credit on file. Or feel free to give us a call at 862-207-4118. Uh, Just remember the time to set up your line of credit is now, not when you actually have the emergency. And considering that the line of credit doesn't cost anything to set up and nothing until it's used, it really makes sense to have it in the uh, back burner as a cash backup plan. I know my clients uh, are really, really happy with the line of credit. It's very hard for a nonprofit to get approved with a non-traditional alternative lender like us, like a bank. They, they usually don't do it. And so it's a good thing to have in your back pocket. Today, I am excited to be speaking with Andrea Kilstead from Capital Campaign Toolkit. Andrea is co-founder of Capital Campaign Toolkit, an innovation an an innovative support system that provides materials, expert advising, and peer support for organizations planning capital campaigns. She is the author of Capital Campaigns, Strategies That Work, now in its fourth edition, as well as several other fundraising books. She has advised successful capital campaigns for over 30 years. Andrea, welcome to today's Nonprofit MBA Podcast.
1: Thank you very much, Stephen. I'm happy to be here.
0: So today's topic is, uh, powerful innovations in nonprofit capital campaigns. Um, over the years, since you've been doing this for a while now, has the, uh, the way to raise capital, uh, for your nonprofit changed significantly?
1: Yeah. Thanks for the, for the question, uh, Stephen, you know, I, the, the, practices of capital campaigns has actually changed remarkably little over the years. That capital campaigns are sort of the big kahuna of fundraising campaigns, as perhaps you know. Organizations do them every once in a while. They often raise 5, 10, or even 20 times what they raise during their annual fundraising. And because organizations don't do them very often, right, they happen every 10 years, perhaps 15 years, 20 years sometimes, uh, people are are not experienced in this particular kind of major gift fundraising. It's a it has a particular flow and model to it. Now that flow and model, namely relying on very large gifts from people who have serious capacity, hasn't changed very much. Or if it has changed, it has changed only in that the large gifts have gotten larger. Right, the percentage of gifts that come come in in very big. Uh, big amounts has only increased as the as the the wealth discrepancy between people who are very rich and people who are not rich has increased in the society yeah but what has changed and significantly really is the the way um, the way organizations get fundraising expertise in this particular kind of fundraising because organizations only do it every once in a while, and because the goals are big and the stakes are high, you know, often a new building or a new campus or something big for the organization, it's, it is very common for organizations to hire a capital campaign consultant to guide them through the campaign process. And there is a lot new in that, which is, of course, different from saying that capital campaigns themselves have changed. There are some various ways capital campaigns have changed, but nothing really significant. Um, but the way we get information today, the way we get expert information, the way professionals function, given the internet, the role of the internet—well, that's radically different.
0: Yeah. The um, when you're when you're doing a major campaign, capital campaign, how does it affect? other funding campaigns that are going on. So like, for example, uh, funding for your operations. Do you find that when you're doing a capital campaign that that a funding for the internal operations can get hurt a little bit?
1: So I'm so glad you asked that question, um, Stephen, because it's a question that many people ask. Uh. And the answer to it may feel paradoxical to you. But over many years, what we know is this, that when organizations go into a capital campaign, far from hurting the annual fundraising, <laughs> it actually helps the annual fundraising now. And, and so it
0: galvanizes, it galvanizes, it galvanizes people, people, right? People, yeah, right? Yeah. The,
1: the organization is, is excited and exciting, right? They're moving into new territory. They are expanding. They're talking about how they can do more good their fundraising staff is doing a better, more inspired job. Their communications is better, right? Because the pressure to do a capital campaign boosts everything. And it's very rare. Really, I can count on one hand in all these years when an organization's annual fundraising was went down instead of up during a capital campaign.
0: Is there ever a time when you can use a capital campaign to uh, use that money for... Uh uh, or promote it in a way that you can use it for internal purposes.
1: Yeah, you know what? What what stands out about capital campaigns is that they raise money for things that boost the organization to the next level of operation. Uh. That they are not good for ongoing, sustained fundraising because the people you go to in a capital campaign are the very same people who give to you annually, year in year out. Yeah. So to go to you, let's say you have an organization, a favorite organization that you give $1,000 a year to pretty much every year, just for the sake of discussion. And I come to you for a capital campaign and I say, Stephen, we're building a new building. Well, let's say, I don't say that. I say, Stephen, we've decided this year that we need more money to, to pay our staff. Right Then you're going to say to me, well, what's the difference between my $1,000 a year and now you're asking me for $10,000 or $100,000? Yeah. What's the difference? So some organizations, are, it's common for an organization to include in its capital campaign uh, some money to help the organization move forward. So, for example, if they're starting a new program, they might want to include two or three years of funding for that new program until the annual fundraising catches up. But capital campaigns are not a good way to raise money year in, year out for an organization. It's not what they're set up to
0: do. So when typically how long the capital campaign, I know what you're going to say, it's depending on the amount and stuff like that, but on average is the capital campaign over a three or five year period. Is that kind of typical?
1: Yeah. So, so capital campaigns can take anywhere from 15, 18 months to three years. And then uh, in most capital campaigns, you encourage donors to pledge gifts over a period of years. So the money may come in over a longer period than that. I mean, let's say you ask someone for a large gift towards the end of the campaign period and they start a three-year pledge, right? So the money is going to extend beyond that. But we don't like to see campaigns go on for longer than about three years. They start to feel tired. Yeah.
0: I mean, isn't it kind of intuitive? Did you find that nonprofits who are doing their first campaign, capital campaign, isn't it kind of intuitive?
1: Well, one would imagine so. I, huh. you know, and I won't put you on the spot to, uh, to tell you what you think is intuitive about it. But, but, um, but my guess is that if I were to put you on the spot, you would fail the test because most people do.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, yeah.
1: So here's what's not intuitive about it. People, you know, nonprofit development teams – are used to asking their major donors for $1,000 or $5,000 or $10,000 a year. That's what they get used to. That's the pattern. And people tend to give in these recurring ways habitually at a particular level. Maybe they'll go up slowly over time. But when a capital campaign comes along, they are looking to the very same donor base and thinking, all right, who can we ask for a million dollars? Or for five million dollars, right? Or for two and a half million dollars, and of course the names they're looking at are the same names they have been looking at year in year <laughs> out, and that's not so easy for people to have the courage and the confidence to say, "Okay, Stephen, you've given us you know a thousand dollars a year for the last ten years. Now we want to ask you for a quarter of a million dollars." <laughs> it's not intuitive. Yeah. Right. More intuitive is the sense of, well, let's go to people who have a lot of money who are not yet connected to us. And the reality is that that's never where the money comes from. The money comes from people who are already connected. And that's a hard mind shift for organization, for people in organizations to make.
0: Yeah. I, I, I didn't mean when I said intuitive for it to come off, um, uh, negatively or like, Oh, come on. You know, uh, But I I just, what I meant was uh, all nonprofits have to get used to some form of fundraising, Uh, you know, as long as they're not getting funded by the state or the federal government or stuff like that. So, you know, you've gone through that process where you've defined getting donations for your organization, you know, just kind of follow that same process to redefine a capital campaign. I mean, I get what you're saying completely, And, you know, the nice thing about a consultant like you is you come in and instead of instead of like me fumbling around trying to design a campaign, you're like, okay, this is what you're going to do. And we're going to start next month instead (laughs) of me saying, "Uh, okay, let me do this. And over the next 12 months, I'll figure it out. And instead you come in, you're like, okay, this is all the uh, groundwork. This this is what we're going to start with. And this now, and I, and the only thing the executive director or the team needs to do is really come up with a vision.
1: Well, they need to come up with a vision and then they need to execute the campaign. Yeah, right. So it's, they have a lot to do right now. If a campaign is done well, it leaves them with a lot of skills, that a lot of fundraising skills, a lot of major gift skills, which they can then apply to other fundraising going forward. So a campaign should really not only raise a lot more money for an organization, but it should do so in a way that teaches the organization to be more effective. You know, when- many organizations do a lame job of major gifts fundraising.
0: Oh. I mean, when uh, what are the objections? That, or not? I'm sure it's not objections. What stops when someone calls you? An executive director. Is it usually the executive director you're talking to?
1: Development director, executive director, board members. It depends. On oh, it could be all across
0: going. the board. Um, when you're speaking to them, what usually st- uh, stops them from not moving forward with a capital campaign?
1: Uh, so there are a variety of things. But one of the big things actually is that the organization doesn't have a clear vision.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: you talked about vision. And, you know, we, we sometimes get calls from organizations that say our 50th anniversary is going to be in two years. And we want to do a capital campaign to raise $50 million on our 50th anniversary, right? Or 5 million or whatever the number is. And, you know, that is totally visionless. Honestly, no donor really cares about your 50th anniversary. What they care about is, well, what more good are you going to do, right? How is your organization going to step up and do more good to carry your mission forward. And it's not uncommon for organizations to have a very cloudy sense of what that vision is and should be, right? They get stuck in this sort of incremental growth mode, which is, you know, we've always done it this way, and we're going to do it a little more next year and a little more the year after. But to take a big leap forward, which is what happens when you do a great capital campaign, that's much harder for people.
0: So are you is do you feel like the that the a bigger part of your job as a consultant is to help them with that vision or or is it just to get them in a frame of mind to really start thinking about that vision and and no. then you know do you, i mean how much of a consultant are you in, in regards to that portion of the campaign
1: Right well i mean our first job as a business honestly is to separate the separate the wheat from the chaff if you will right <laughs> to say well which of these organizations actually have a, have a vision and and are you know are substantial enough so that they actually can do a capital campaign and for the rest of them we try to encourage them to to ramp up their their major gifts fundraising to to begin to develop a vision to train their board i mean we you know, we encourage them to do the things they would need to do in order to get ready. Most of our clients are organizations that, that are at least on the road to getting ready for a campaign. Right? There is a reason. Office, sometimes the reason is that they, they've decided through a strategic planning process that they need a new building, for example. That's always a simple and easy, you know, easy way to move forward. Sometimes they're actually expanding their territory. Sometimes they're improving their systems. Um, Sometimes they're starting new programs or getting big new equipment, you know. So there are many things they might be doing. But someone in the organization needs to have taken a leadership role in getting the organization to develop clarity and excitement about how it's going to move forward. Then we can help them with a the campaign.
0: So um, most of our listeners <clears throat> are smaller nonprofits. Um, what have you noticed? Uh, when I say smaller nonprofits, we're talking under five million. Yep. Um, you know, they average maybe one point five million, like around there. Yeah. So they more than likely have never had a capital campaign before in the past.
1: No, I'm not sure about that. Well, oh. A lot of our clients are are that size. Ah. Oh right? A lot of our clients are that size. That's kind of a nice, you know, if you look at the numbers of, of nonprofit organizations in the country and their their annual, you know, annual revenue, what you'll find is that a vast majority of them are are between, you know, 1 million or even a half a million and 5 million, right? Yeah. And then it goes up in declining amount, declining yeah. numbers. So, you know, you find churches and humane leagues and, and uh, schools and I mean, all kinds of arts organizations, theater companies, all fall into that, into that budget range. It's a very big part of the nonprofit world and a very big part of our client base, actually. We work with now we work with some organizations that are larger than that. And some that are smaller, interestingly enough. You can have a small organization with a budget of a half a million dollars that has a clear and effective vision that can do a very good campaign for a couple of million dollars. Right. So just the size isn't a differentiator. It's more leadership and vision and, and clarity and how the organization is going to, is going to grow and function.
0: So uh, <clears throat> let's put you in a scenario. You get a call from a nonprofit. They're a million dollars in revenue a year. They've been around for several years. Um, and you get a call from the executive director and, um, the, uh, what are three questions that you typically will ask to start off to understand the client?
1: Sure. Uh, what are you raising money for? Mm-hmm. That's the first, right? And when they kind of fluffle around that, it's like, <laughs> oh, we well, want more money? That tells us something, right? It's a yeah. really simple question. When they say, well, we're raising money for a new building and three new programs and to increase our endowment – Right, and we think we we're going to raise you know five between five and eight million dollars for our campaign. Then we know we're we're in the right direction. When they say, "Well, we're not sure," then we know we're we're, in trouble. Then we say, "Could you, off the top of your head, make a list of of at least twenty people, or or foundations, you know, funding sources uh, that that would be able to give you?" Uh, fifty thousand dollars or more, right? Could you do that just off off the top of your head? When they say, um, "Yeah, that's easy," here are the ones we we know these people and we know them well, then we know we're heading in the right direction. When they say to us, "Oh, we don't really have a clue," you know, how about Oprah Winfrey? <laughs> we know we're heading in the wrong direction.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right?
1: When they think the money is somehow out there and. You know, I mean, just from those two questions, we can learn a huge, a huge amount. Then we want to know what their annual fundraising looks like. How much money do you raise every year, and how does it come in? How much of it? How much? How many of your board members make gifts to your campaign and to your to your annual fundraising? They say the board doesn't give, right? We've probably got a trouble, got problems. So. So, we have a relatively few questions. It takes us about you know ten minutes to, to figure out yeah. right? if If an organization now that doesn't say doesn't mean that an organization can't start wherever they are and begin to work towards that kind of clarity. and we are we have a lot of conversations with people about how they might do that. You know the way we work, is that we encourage people to sign up for strategy sessions with me or my partner, Amy Eisenstein, or one of our advisors. And we talk to people for generally 30 to 45 minutes and sort of find out about their organization. And then if we know they're not ready for a campaign, we help, help encourage them to understand what they need to do to be ready. And if they are ready for a campaign, then we talk to them about what the next steps are and how we might help them.
0: I would think reading your book would be a good start.
1: Reading a, reading my book is a good start. You know, what we did with the capital campaign toolkit is that we took all of the material, a lot of the material from the book and we put it online. Oh. So that the material from the book is now has now been put in very usable formats online. We have We have a well-organized website where members can go online and they can get tools, checklists, samples, all kinds of things which they can download, cut and paste, put their logo on them, adapt them to use, and use them. So when people come to the toolkit, they're not having to read a book and say, well, what do I do about this? They're saying, well, in the first phase of the campaign, here's what I do. Here's what I do next. And here are the materials I need in order to do that.
0: Did you find that during COVID, um, the the people looking to do capital campaigns went up or down?
1: So uh, a variety of things happened. Uh, Some people did what we call mini campaigns or pivot campaigns, because all of a sudden they had a big need for money because the demand on their services were huge. So we actually worked with a fair number of organizations to help them raise not millions of dollars, but significantly more to, to take care of the immediate needs caused by COVID. Right? And we simply used the capital campaign pr- practices and structure to help them do that. We had some very, very successful organizations that, that you know, raised half a million or a million dollars during COVID specifically to address the problems that they were facing. I mean, think about food banks, for example, right? All of a sudden the need for food banks became huge. And that's true in many things, you know, with schools, every organization needed money because things were, you know, were so dire and so difficult. We helped a lot of them do that. They are organizations that were already in campaigns. They continued on with their campaigns. They used the, the, that opportunity to build their relationships and now, as we come out of COVID, we're actually seeing quite a quite a resurgence of organizations that that had sort of put their campaigns on the back burner to get through COVID, and now they're ready to start up.
0: And so, what are you what are you seeing? Like now, is it uh, is capital people are people past that crisis stage, and now they're starting to be visionaries again? That's right.
1: That's mm. right. And in some cases, COVID helped them redefine their visions, helped them understand what what it is they needed and what the, what they could do. You know, a number of things happened during COVID. I mean, for us, we are a we are a virtual company. We have always done our work virtually, unlike most consultants that travel to their clients. We said some time ago, three four years ago, we said, "Listen." We can do this work virtually. There's no reason I have to be sitting in your office in order to, be, to consult with you, to advise you. So we created a virtual advising company um, mm-hmm. at the Capital Campaign Toolkit. What happened with COVID, of course, is that everybody else learned that you, in fact, can do business this way, right? In the beginning, it was a harder sell for us to say, listen, you don't have to pay my travel. You don't have to pay my travel time. We can do this work you know, in real time, very effectively. We can even do committee work very effectively. So for us, the, the world simply caught up with what we already knew was the case. That is, of course, you know, we've du- we doubled our business this past year, right? And we will probably double it again the next year.
0: What, what do you think? Um, <clears throat> what are the telltale tell, tell signs when the capital campaign's not well? Well, uh, let me ask the question: The telltale signs when the capital campaign's not going well. Um, now, I know you'd say, of course, uh, the um, revenue is not—you know, you're not getting money. Uh, but what what do you typically say that happens for the, that are causing that issue?
1: Yeah, so I actually—I mean, well, of course, it's true. If you're not raising money, and you're not going to raise money, you've got a problem. But I look at other things, really if i find that people aren't willing to serve on campaign committees right if the board isn't willing to to contribute to to contribute to a campaign if board members aren't willing to help help in a campaign right if we don't see that there is that people are really excited about moving forward that they're excited about the vision then we know there's a trouble that there's problems that happens way before the money starts falling off So, you know, we try not, we try to, we try to encourage organizations where that's likely to happen, not to do a campaign until they can find, find a way to get people excited and on board.
0: And when you said about the board members um, uh, contributing, I I wasn't the word you used. um, Are you talking about financially or are you talking about, okay, not, not getting involved? Both. Oh, both. One okay. follows the
1: other, right? In fundraising, when people are engaged, they contribute. And when when they contribute, they're engaged. Yeah. So, um, so we want we want to see board members who are, do both of that, both of those things, right? And that's always a real indicator. If that's not the case, something is wrong. Something structurally is wrong in yeah. the organization that doesn't that needs to be addressed before the organization should move into a campaign.
0: What do you think that uh, you've been doing this for 30 years plus And, um, you know, so you, you've really seen the inside out of a nonprofit organization. What do you think are the telltale signs that a nonprofit organization has, you know, that they have to make a change? They're just they're not doing. They're not going to achieve the goals, regardless of its capital campaign. What do you think the telltale you know, signs let me are?
1: Turn the, your question the other way around. Okay. Let me turn your question to: What are the telltale signs that an organization is fantastic?
0: Good. Yep. Fair enough. Right?
1: That's a better question, and one that mm-hmm. oh, may not be a better question. It's one that excites me more. Yeah. Yeah. That way. Fair. And and I would say that 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 leadership is everything, and that doesn't mean that the leader has to be hugely big and loud, right? But when an organization has a leader that knows how to lead, that listens attentively, that engages and involves people, that is planful, right? Someone who who actually is able to manage both details and big picture. It is magical to see that. I mean, I'm working on a campaign now with an amazing leader the organization has an amazing leader and and every committee is functions well and the staff functions well and the problems we've had funny problems with that campaign because some of the committees campaign committees have, are tend to be ad hoc short-term assignments and in this particular campaign when the assignment is getting done and we try to close out the committee. We say, thank you very much. You know, your job here is done. The committees don't want to end. Well, they, you know, you've got a good leader. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. like they don't want to go away, they, they, they want to keep, they want to keep going. That's all because of leadership. It's, it really is. It's because the head of the organization listens is able and willing to craft a vision and to articulate it, but also listens to people who have input into it. That the head of the organization has the courage to actually go and talk to large donors about giving big gifts because he is so clear about the vision and what what his or her organization is accomplishing. That leadership is everything. And when it's good, I'll tell you, it affects every aspect of the organization. And when it's bad, it affects every aspect of the organization. Yeah, yeah. So do if you think- I could clone great leaders, I would.
0: Yeah. Are you um, often surprised when you see? Um, do you do you often see leadership develop? Um, <laughs> like, well like do like you'll speak to somebody and you'll see that they're struggling a little bit with the leadership traits uh, skills and then you start work you not so much you work with them but then or maybe you work with them and then yeah. or maybe they come back later on and you're like wow that person's really developed yeah
1: i, mean, I you know people do learn leadership is a learned, learned skill. skill you know yeah. you're not born a leader no right you you are born with certain traits but there are things you can learn about leadership and and I think it's, it, really, um, it really helps, actually, to have an expert advisor by your side. You know, to be in a position of leadership in an organization, particularly as it moves into a capital campaign, is scary. It's a you know, high-risk, high-stakes time in the life of an organization. And there are many times when the leader of the organization may not have well-developed leadership skills yet. So we do a fair amount of coaching. Of people in leadership positions, to hold their hands, to to help them understand what what they can do, to help them not be defensive when things go wrong, to help them. I mean, I, you know, this client I was talking to you about before, I talk to them every week. I, I talk to the leader of the organization, the development director. Every week we have a call. And some of what we talk about are leadership issues. So, But, you know, if I could clone really good leaders, I tell you, that's when the work is fun.
0: Yeah. You know, the thing about a leader, we don't, I think when you haven't had a leadership skill or position, you have a vision of what a leadership should be. And you think someone who's, you know, loud and assertive and aggressive. And, you know, I mean, I've been doing this for 30 years, too. And you know, you what you there's so many different types of styles of leaderships. And I think the key is to find out what your personality is like, what your skill set is like, and then to adapt the leadership skills that fit your personality. I mean, I've seen great leaders that don't say anything. But when they right. do say something, it's
1: everyone listens, everyone
0: right. listens. Right. right. So That's you right. see, you see leaders that are great ex- role model examples or, uh, you know, role model leaders and then you have other ones that are more verbal and, you know um, you know, certainly, you know, I've had to develop my leadership skills over 30 years and, you know, I read a lot of books about it, took, had coaching, just like what you do um, did everything I could to get really good at it and, I went from being, um, well, there's, there's, you know, there's three types of, uh, leaderships. There's, there's not leaderships, but there's, there's leaders, there is managers, and then there's worker bees. Right. And and the, the issue you often have is leaders often do not make good managers and managers suffer sometimes from being good leaders. And so that's the cross sometimes you get. And when you have a small organization, a lot of times the executive director has multiple roles and that's when it kind of gets challenging. Would you agree with that?
1: Well, I think some people have a broader bandwidth to be able to handle that. I mean, I think really good leaders are able to, to see down the organization and help the management when that's necessary.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: So I, you know, I, I think that, and I, I think these skills are, are learned and I think you're right that, that, There are different styles based, you know, for different personalities. Yeah. Um, But I I have seen people who were managers who moved up to leadership, leadership roles and who have crashed and burned. Yeah. Just who have not been able to move into that role at all.
0: Yeah. Well, they found that they didn't like it. Right.
1: Well, sometimes they didn't like it. Sometimes they just didn't have the skills for it. What worked in the management didn't work, didn't work as Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, I, you know, I really do look to strong, I'm always on the, on the lookout for, for organizations that the signs that the organization has a good leader, that it can make decisions, that it seems to have a way of moving forward that is, that is sort of reasonable, that is doesn't feel like it's scattershot, right? It feels like it is planful and thoughtful, um, and you can pretty much always tell by, by finding, we can pretty much always tell by finding out if people are willing to help with the campaign. If they're not, it's often a sign that something's wrong with the leadership.
0: It's great when you, um, when you're in a position where you are, where you can actually say, you know what? Uh, I don't, I don't think you're the right type of client for us. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, I, you know, right. it's refreshing. I mean, think, right. uh, you know, I think that, um, it's better for the organization sometimes to say, to tell them the truth, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, and as I say, our, you know, our clients, our clients vary from small to very, very small to very large. And so it's not that we're looking for big, fancy clients. We're looking for clients that are functional and when they are functional. I mean, I personally love these little campaigns. So they, they just tickle me right, to help yeah. an organization raise a million dollars that never before has raised more than, you know, 20,000. I mean, that's yeah, a yeah.
0: kid, right? That's yeah. Yeah, a big <laughs> jump. Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. It's a big jump. So it's not the size it's, it's, is the organization functional? Are they doing something that's exciting? Do they have a vision that's exciting? Do they have a leader that is, has good enough skills to be able that people want to follow them?
0: So, so last question, uh, yes. we've got a minute left. Um, <laughs> so we have a listeners, our listeners listening to right now, they said, you know, I, I really want to move forward with uh, a capital campaign. What is the first thing that you would tell them to do?
1: Well, I would tell them to go to capitalcampaigntoolkit.com and yep. on that site there is a button that says start here and it will take you to a page that tells you about the campaign and a toolkit and how to and how to how you should get started. I mean there's a lot of resources. There is a step-by-step guide for capital campaigns that is free. For anyone who goes onto the site, I would encourage you to download that and take a look at it. That comes with a timeline, with a campaign timeline. That's a good starting place for anybody, frankly. And very if you're good. interested, then sign up for a strategy session and we will be happy to talk you through your next
0: steps. Fantastic. All right. I would like to thank so very much Andrea Kilsted from Capital Campaign Toolkit for coming on today's podcast. If you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe to your favorite podcasting app. If you like today's podcast, please give us a review on your podcasting app. It helps get the word out. And of course, if you're looking for a line of credit for your nonprofit, you can call us at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at nonprofitnbapodcast.com. Andrea, again, if people want to reach out to you, how would they go about doing that?
1: They can email me directly at Andrea at Capital Campaign Toolkit.com or they can go to the Capital Campaign Toolkit website and just simply click on the button that says Start Here. Then you'll be able to download a uh, your step by step guide.
0: Very good. Andrea, thanks for coming on today.
1: Thank you so much, Stephen. I've enjoyed it.
0: And to our listeners out there, um, I want to thank you all for making the world a better place. We all need to do our part. I need to do my part. Andrea does her part already, and, uh, but you guys are always doing your part out there. And Thank you for making the world a much better place. Everybody have a fantastic day and enjoy. Uh, life is great and we should all embrace that we're lucky to have this great life. Everybody have a good day.